Have you ever seen, uh, or maybe have you ever been a child that wanted to grow taller? You know, when you were a kid, did you ever want, wish you were taller? Uh, my sister-in-law, Shannon, here, I know she wishes she was taller when she was a child, but she told me short is beautiful, right? Right? Yeah. Um, but the classic picture of a kid who wants to be taller is a boy that's hanging from a pull-up bar, you know, trying to stretch himself out. Maybe, uh, maybe his little sister's pulling, you know, on him to try to stretch him out. It's this classic picture, stretch me taller, you know. Or may, maybe uh, the, another picture of stretching would be Mike Teeve from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, he was the guy that got miniaturized by Willy Wonka's magic teleportation machine. And then they put him in the taffy stretcher to stretch him back out. And so he, he was this, you know, crazy, tall, skinny, thin thing uh, as he left the chocolate factory. And, you know, I mean, this, this picture of stretching, you know, maybe uh, we stretch to get flexible. Maybe you've seen a picture of, of like an acrobat that can fit into a box like this picture right here. I mean, if you, it just blows my mind how someone can be that flexible. Lots of stretching, lots of stretching to be able to do something crazy like that. And while stretching is a physical activity, really stretching becomes a metaphor for a spiritual reality. Just as someone stretches to gain greater flexibility, sometimes God stretches us spiritually to gain greater kingdom impact on the world. Have you ever thought God was stretching you? Have you ever felt that? Like, that God is stretching me. Have you ever wondered if you were in a place where you were so completely outgunned, outmatched, outtrained? Have you ever thought, God, I know that your spirit's nudging me to do something, but it's not something I ever saw myself doing before. Have you ever felt like that? See, normally we think about stretching in times of hardship. Something comes upon us and and it's a hard thing to get through, and we say, well, God must be stretching me. For example, um, as I think of my own father and just my dad, we, my brother and Shannon are in here this week, and we kind of had a chance to go over there again, and, and a number of times as we visited him, and his health was failing, and you know, I was just sitting with him, holding his hand, uh, looking him in the eyes, trying to get him to just acknowledge me, and just the pain, like just, I just... It just caused me to shed tears because I love my dad so much and, and just this hardship. And I think, man, sometimes God is stretching me. You know, when I had migraines, when, I've had, when, God, when Malachi's been so sick, when Clarissa's sick, when, when I don't sleep, when my mom had, had cancer. At those moments, I think, man, God, you must be really stretching me. And <laughs> that's true. But I'm learning that the greatest spiritual stretching happens not in the face of hardship. The greatest spiritual stretching, I think, happens when we are engaged in kingdom work. It's not that we're don't, we aren't spiritually stretched when we go through difficult things, but when we're engaged in kingdom work, it's when God stretches us the most. You know, one view is that is passive, that when stretching happens in hardship, one view is passive, that it's just something that happens to us, and that's true. But when the other view, when, when, when stretching happens in kingdom work, it's active. It's when we're participating. It's like we're willingly jumping into the taffy stretcher and saying, God, I want to be part of what you're doing. Stretch me, change me, mold me. Today, again, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Peter. And, and this is one of the last 
major accounts in Peter's life. His last major story. There's a couple more about him, but this is like one of the, the last major ones. And soon what Luke will be doing is he'll be shifting our attention in Acts from the Apostle Peter to the Apostle Paul. We're going to see the gospel going from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria now through Paul to the ends of the earth. But as we look at Peter today, we're going to see how God keeps dropping ministry opportunities right in front of Peter. God just keeps dropping them right in his lap. And because of this kingdom work, Peter is stretched in a way he's probably not too excited about. For you and I, the best sort of stretching happens when we choose kingdom work. So I want to talk today about four things that happen to you and I, to us together, when we willingly participate in kingdom work. When God stretches us to do kingdom work, when God stretches you to do kingdom work, I want to talk to you about four things from the text that I see that happen to us when we do that. And the first thing that happens when God stretches you to do kingdom work is you need to understand is you probably won't be comfortable. When God stretches you to do kingdom work, you probably won't be comfortable. So now we need to remember where we are in the book of Acts. Um, Peter has been in, in the region of Samaria, and Philip had been working there, and God was doing some great things, and he called Peter up. He called the apostles up, and he said, come see what's happening in Samaria. And, and Peter goes, and the Holy Spirit shows up and does some really cool stuff. And then Philip jumps down with the Ethiopian eunuch. And then, and then in chapter 9, the first part, we, we kinda, the story kind of shifts for a second, and we, we see Paul, and then we looked at him last week, the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when God meets him and just in this credible opportunity. And now we're heading, Luke is shifting our attention back to Peter. And we're going to see Peter become incredibly uncomfortable as God stretches him. You see, Peter understood being stretched for kingdom work. He had, Peter had a lot of stretching to do. I mean, if you think about this, in the gospel, Peter was ready to die with Jesus. Peter had walked with him with three years and, and Peter was ready to die with Jesus. He's like, I mean, you know, he's the guy that rips out the sword and I'm going, I'm all in. I'll die for you, Jesus. And then he denies Jesus. And after Jesus rises from the dead, I think it, it blows Peter's mind. Like, I, I knew Jesus, you know, he said, you are the Christ. I knew who he was, but I didn't see this coming. And, and God just stretched him. And then in Acts Peter has this boldness. He's persecuted for his faith. He's stretched in leadership. Ananias and Sapphira, Peter had to deal with this crisis in the church. And, and, and then in the second section of Acts, Acts we've been looking at, at God's going to stretch his heart. And, and, and all of a sudden, Peter is seeing that, gosh, a lot of people can come to Jesus. Samaritans can come. Um, enemies of, of, of the church can come. Um, now we're going to see that even forgotten, left behind, out of the way, People can come, and later uh, we're going to see that a, even a Gentile can come. And this is just going to stretch Peter, and it's going to blow his mind. God is stretching t Peter in terms of his heart, and it's pretty uncomfortable for him. So at the beginning of the text today, we're going to see that Peter has been making his way back from Samaria to Jerusalem, and he ends up in this town in Judea called Lydda. And look at verse 32 in the text. Verse 32 of chapter 9, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. 
There he is. Light is about, Light is about 11 miles off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's, it's inland a little bit. It was sort of an out-of-the-way stop for Peter as, it, as he came back to Jerusalem, but he heard there were believers there and he wanted to encourage them. And so it's kind of between Samaria and Jerusalem in a little bit out-of-the-way fashion. Now, when, when Peter lands in Lydda, he heals this crippled man named Aeneas. This, the, the scripture says he's been crippled for eight years, which meant in, in that culture he had no money, probably. He really had no way to provide for himself. There was no government aid. There wasn't anything that he could, this man had his livelihood taken away because he couldn't use his legs. He had nothing to offer. And really, as far as importance goes, this, this man, Aeneas, I mean, he's nothing. He, he's an, I mean, it just, he does, Peter doesn't have anything gain, to gain by talking to him or healing. And Peter could have gone, hey, I'm the apostle Peter. You know, I'm way too important to be bothered by the minutia of, you know, little things like this. It's so fascinating. Peter could have been put off, but instead he loved those that society had forgotten. He says, get up. Jesus has healed you. I mean, I just, I love the picture there. We, we have no reason to know from the text who this guy is. And he, we never heard from him before. This guy was not like Superman and really important. This wasn't a, this is just a guy in the church. And Luke says this is important enough for us to realize that Peter, I mean, I'm sure Peter healed other people. This guy makes the text, I believe, because God is stretching Peter so that Peter understands that the unimportant of society are important to God. You see, kingdom work is for everyone. It's not just for the movers and shakers. It's not just for the politicians. Our culture loves the important people because what we can get from them. I mean, you know, if, if uh, you know, a, cele a celebrity would come into our midst today, we'd probably, just like everybody else, pay a little bit more attention. Why? Because we're going to get some fame out of it. Or, you know, if we meet someone who's really rich, we become friends with them because maybe they can give us something. Or, I mean, there's just this sort of, the, the people who are important in our society are important because we place them there because we can get something out of it. Peter is talking to Aeneas who he can get nothing from him. I love how God just pulls people together for his kingdom work from all kinds of backgrounds. I love this. It's not all one portion, one segment of society. It's not all wealthy. It's not all influential. God does this. Uh, I was just thinking about our, our own elder board here at Waukee Community Church over the years, all the different godly men who have had the chance to serve our church by faithfully leading on our elder board. And, and you know, I mean, we've had all kinds of different people. I mean, we've had everything from a meat cutter to, you know, our current chair, the superintendent of Des Moines Christian Schools, to totally different occupations, to totally different backgrounds, and yet these men went arm in arm and loved each other and served our church. I love how God does this. He just puts all kinds of people together. Peter is ministering in Lydda to the unimportant, and I think God stretched Peter. But Peter's also then ministering in Joppa. And he ministers there to the forgotten. So uh, 11 miles to the west of, of Lydda is this town of Joppa. And again, 11 miles isn't that far, although um, if you're walking, it's quite a journey. 
Uh, some of you are walkers, and, and you do the daily walking or running thing, and 11 miles is a long ways. And so it wasn't like it was just around the corner, but uh, Peter gets news pretty quick that he's needed in, in Joppa, and there's this woman who is absolutely loved by the church. Her name is Tabitha or Dorcas, which is just an awesome name. No one names their kid Dorcas anymore, but uh, it's just a great name. But we, we see Tabitha here, and, and she makes clothes for widows. She dies, and the people of the church have heard that Peter's nearby, so they run off to get him. Now, Joppa, it, there's this huge irony in Joppa. If, if you remember, the city of Joppa is a port town. And if you remember in the Old Testament, the story of Jonah, when God called Jonah to go deliver a message of mercy to the Ninevites, who were pagan, non-Jewish people, Jonah said, I'll do anything, God, except talk to those pagans over there. Like, I, I ain't going there. And so he said, God, uh, I'll go the other way. And so in this huge irony, the Jonah ran the opposite way from Nineveh to Joppa, and he gets on the boat, and then we had the story of the great fish, and we all know how that happened. But Joppa was the port town for Jonah to run from God, to say, I don't value the Ninevites. I don't like them. I don't want anything to do with them. I'd rather just forget them. It's in this town that we see Peter value the unimportant, or the forgotten. It's in Joppa where Peter is going to meet a woman who in most situations would be a wallflower, but she's going to make it in the Bible. You see, there are a lot of people in society that are sort of the forgottens of society. We think about, when people typically think about the west side of Des Moines, Waukee, West Des Moines, that area, they typically don't think about the forgotten kinds of people. They Typically think about, you know, upper middle class, 2.5 kids, a dog, a garage, two cars, that kind of person. And for many of us, we fit that profile, but some of us don't. And there's a whole group of people in our area that can just get forgotten. We can just move beyond them. I love that our church is, is working hard. We reflect this sort of forgotten, unimportant people. We, we just take, we'll take them all. You know, um, we're trying to pursue relationships with those society has left beyond. In three weeks, uh, like Bob talked about this morning, Faith in Action Sunday, I love that we plaster notes all over. And we say, how can we help you? If you've been forgotten, if you're not important, we don't care. We want to love you. It's not only through a program. We just reflect the different kind of people. I think that this is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to spend time with people who are not like us. It's uncomfortable to spend time with the people that we would deem as unimportant. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, we took a trip to Chicago, and there was this one student that he used to drive me crazy uh, because he had no concept of personal space. You know these people, right? Like, I mean, we would be walking down the street and he would just continually like run it, like he would walk this way so he could lean against me. I was going nuts, you know, like, God, I know you love him. I know you love him. Can I just have some space? And I mean, there's this, these kind of people in our lives that we don't want to, I don't know. I'm not saying Peter felt that way about uh, Tabitha here, Uh, but the people that Peter's ministering to. The Samaritans, the, the, I mean, these kind of unimportant, it's, it's got to be a stretch for him. Look at what happened. Read verse 35. This is amazing. 
as he continues, and um, the, the result of it, of his ministry in Lydda, was that all those who lived in Lydda and Sherat saw him and turned to the Lord. As Peter says, ah, God, whatever you put in front of me, I'll be stretched and do. People came to the Lord. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a great thing. Stretching can be painful, but stretching for kingdom work is good. Um, okay, so Olivia is two and a half. For the first time since Olivia was born, I started exercising again. And uh, oh man, that was awful. Like, Kaylin and I have been running for what, three weeks now, maybe? Something like that, maybe a month. And uh, oh, it's just awful. Uh, so we, I first, I mean, she kills me. Like, she's a great runner, and, and I'm learning. And, uh, you know, I said, we're going to walk, and occasionally I'll jog a little. And so, uh, you know, and every time we come home and I'm just dying, I'm sweating like crazy and I can barely breathe, sometimes Kaylin will say, Dad, are you okay? Because <laughs> she thinks I'm going to die. And it's just, but you know what? Every time out, every time we go, it gets a little easier. I remember when we first started, we said, Dad, uh, I, I said, won't this be great? Because sometime down in the future, we're going to be able to run this entire three-mile thing that we're doing. And uh, like the other day it happened. We ran the, I, I mean, I, I thought I was going to hack up a lung, but uh, we did it. You know, we, it, it's painful, but it's good. When God has kingdom work for you, he might have to stretch you a little bit. It might be uncomfortable. And that's the thing we need to know about kingdom work is kingdom work is probably not going to be comfortable because God's stretching us into being part of something bigger than us. There's a second thing that I, I see in this text that I want to talk about today. When God stretches you to do kingdom work, not only will it, probably won't be comfortable, but also you need to know it'll be in different ways than somebody else. I want to look at Tabitha for a second here. Um, in verse 36, we see Tabitha. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated as Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. Uh, so here we see Tabitha. Uh, she's the lady that made clothes for widows. Uh, you know, you can't just run to the Goodwill in Joppa and grab some clothes for a couple of bucks. Like most people in, in Jesus' day had maybe a couple, couple outfits. Like, I mean, one, couple. You know, and so when a widow was without clothes and had no, I mean, this is a big deal. And so she served the, faith, the church faithfully. Now, it's interesting, Tabitha was not the kind of person that was, you know, the leader of the church in Joppa. She was not the, you know, the pastor or the worship leader or the counselor. Tabitha is not the chairman of the board. She's not an important political figure. She's, she's the, Tabitha is the head of the quilting circle. I mean, really, that's who she is. And God's been using her in great ways. What I think is when God's giving you a gift, he wants to stretch you into using that gift. You don't have to be P. Dave, you know. You, 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 maybe you're thinking, uh, you know, I can't preach or I can't do what Dave does or whatever. God will stretch you to using your gifts. And that's what I love about Tabitha. God's, God, she, she was saying, God, this is what I have. It's all yours. Stretch me into using that. Um, I, I've been doing some work in my garage and uh, it involved mudding and taping uh, on some drywall. And uh, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. It's like finishing the rough drywall off. And 
I, I just am terrible at it, you know? Like, I don't want to do it, but I don't want to pay somebody to do it. So uh, I'm out there, and, you know, uh, people who know what you're doing look at the wall and go, oh, Dave, that's embarrassing, you know? And apparently texture covers over a multiple, uh, multitude of drywall sins. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just sweating out there in the garage doing this, and just miserable, and I'm like, I don't, do, I can't do this. Sometimes we say, God, I'd be open to doing something crazy that I'm not good at, and you might stretch me into it. Sometimes God says, no, that's not it for you. I've got a different way I want to stretch you. Not everyone looks the same. When God's stretching us, he's often using the gifts we have. He might develop some we don't know we have, but he values different gifts. When God stretches us, it'll probably be in a different way than he stretches somebody else. Because this is the metaphor for the body. We all have different parts. We all have different roles to play. When God stretches you, it might be different. There's a third thing I want you to know this morning is that when God stretches you to do kingdom work, when that happens, default to Jesus. When God stretches you and when he stretches, always default to Jesus. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes God puts you in this position and he's totally stretching you and you have no idea what to do. And when that happens, it's a good idea to default to Jesus as your role model. I mean, he's a pretty good guide. I'm not saying that we have to do everything the way Jesus did, but one good question to ask is, how did the master do it? I'm, I'm in kingdom work. I'm in a position where I, I'm not used to being here, and God's stretching me, and I don't even know what to do. And one great thing to do is look at the New Testament, look at the Gospels, and say, what did Jesus do in this kind of situation? This is what Peter does. So Tabitha dies, and the church is in mourning, and, and they send someone to run the 11 miles to get Peter, and then bring him back, and Peter finds himself in a room with a dead lady. I mean, he's, he's there. And there are women crying, and this is horrible, and I... I can only imagine what Peter's thinking. He's sitting there in this room, everyone's crying. He's like, oh, crud, what do I do now? I mean, that's what I would be thinking. Like, oh, I'd have, you know, I, whoa, what do I do next? He just did what Jesus did. Look at verse 40. I, if you read this, you might ask. Um, he finds himself in this room. Peter sent them all out of the room. Why did he do that? I mean, was it because, oh, crud, I don't know what to do, so I don't want to be embarrassed, so everyone leave? I don't think so. Let me flip back to Mark chapter 5 for a second. I think Pete, Peter remembered what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus was in the same position. There was a dead girl, and he was in the room. And they were all laughing at Jesus because Jesus said, this child's not dead, this child's asleep. And then he said, ah, oh, no, Jesus, we know dead, that child's dead. But they didn't know what Jesus did. Mark 5, 40, they laughed at him after he put them all out. I think Peter walked into the room of that dead lady and goes, well, what did Jesus do? Jesus sent them all out. I'm going to do the same thing. And he sent them out, and it gets better. Um, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus sends them all out, and the disciples who were with him, and the, and the mother and father were there, and he took the little girl by the hand, and he said to her, this is great, okay? He said to her, Jesus said to this little girl, Talitha kum, 
In Ar- that's the Aramaic, because they probably spoke Aramaic, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Okay, so do you know what the little girl get up is talithakum? Back in Acts, you know what Peter would have said in Aramaic? He would have said, Tabitha, kum. Tabitha, get up. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating parallel. And that Peter is putting himself in a position and he just asks the question, what did Jesus do? What I don't know what to do, when I'm being stretched, it's a good question to ask is what did Jesus do in this situation? Sometimes God's going to put you in that position and he's a pretty good guide. I've shared this story with some of you before, but when I was an intern at my very first church and I was doing youth ministry and the youth pastor had actually uh, left the church and so I was uh, 21 years old and I had been working in this youth ministry for a while. I was a student at the Moody Bible Institute and the church said to me, hey, can we just hire you as an intern to fill in until we hire a new youth pastor? And I said, sure. And I'm not kidding you, within, Clarissa and I were going to get married that summer. Within the first week of my internship, there was a girl in the youth group who was 18 years old. I mean, she's only three years younger than me at the time. And uh, she was walking after, after um, I think it was track. She was walking in her front yard and just from her car to her front door. And she fell over in the yard and she had a brain aneurysm. And boom. And they rushed her to the hospital. And there she was on all the machines in that room. And, and, and just this it's just intense thing. Her whole family was there. And I got this call. <laughs> oh, crud, you know? Oh, crud. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean hospital, I, I didn't remember spending time in a hospital. I didn't understand hospitals. I've never been there. I didn't so I, we go to this room, and I'm thinking, what do I say? I don't know. So I walk into the room, and basically I find out from the nurse before I walk in the room that, the girl is pretty much brain dead, and that, that day, later that day, they're going to have to just unhook the machines. And uh, I, I am, I'm just not, I have no idea what to do. And my, Clarissa was with me, and we walked into that room, and all the smells hit me, like the hospital smells that I'd never, wasn't used to. And I remember the dad looked at me, and he goes, are you okay? <laughs> I think I was turning green a little bit. And so I stepped out into the hallway and I sat down and I put my head forward and left Clarissa in the hospital room to talk to the family. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I really screwed this up. I, I mean, I have no idea what to do and I can't even sit there and figure out how to minister to this family. And, and I thought, what, you know, what did, what did Jesus do? And, I, and it just, I remember the moment occurred to me when Jesus had an especially busy day or an especially difficult time of ministry. Jesus made sure he got away and he prayed. And it seemed like a logical thing to do. Just, as I laid, sat there on the floor, I just prayed. And, and you know what happened? God showed up. Uh, because he had given me this fiance who was incredibly gifted at doing this, and I just kind of watched her from the hallway and learned and was stretched, and God used her. It was amazing. See, we, when we just default to Jesus, we just, if we just saturate ourselves, if we know Jesus, if we, if we study, if we read, this is why we do this. Because he's going to put us in a position where we can do kingdom work. And when we don't know what to do, we can default to Jesus. 
And that's what Peter did. When God stretches you to do kingdom work, default to Jesus. The last thing that I want to tell you this morning is when God stretches you to do kingdom work, go with it. <laughs> Just go with it. When God puts you in an uncomfortable ministry situation, go with it. You'll get to be part of something great, and it will get better. You know, like, I, I learned how to do hospital visits. I put myself in a position and said, okay, God, whenever this comes up, I'm just going to go with it. And, and I learned. Peter learned how to love those who, lo who love God, but he learned how to love those who God loves. I want to be clear here. Kingdom work isn't always uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, like, you just get in your sweet spot. God has stretched you, and you get in a sweet spot in this position where you're like, this is it. And it doesn't become uncomfortable forever. God stretches you and you can say, I get to be part of kingdom work and this is amazing. We use our spiritual gifts. We get more comfortable with using those. Peter grew more comfortable the way God stretched him. He grew comfortable in hanging out with those on the fringes of society. So I mean, this story continues and Peter finds himself and, and he heals Aeneas and then he goes over to Joppa and, and he and and. and Tabitha is raised from the dead. God raises her from the dead. And like everyone's like, this is amazing. Then as the story continues, uh, it says, verse 42, this became known all over Joppa. And the many people believed in the Lord. I, I love this result of kingdom work. When Peter just goes with it, God shows up. And then verse 43, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. That is so interesting. Um, now we think, okay, maybe Peter's, Simon Peter stayed with a tanner named Simon. Maybe Luke just puts that in there to distinguish between two Simons, right? Like you got Simon the Apostle, Peter, and Simon the Tanner. But there's more going on here than that. You need to understand that a tanner was looked down upon in Jewish society because a tanner took the hides of dead animals and worked with them all day long. And according to Jewish law, if you worked with, you know, a dead animal, you were unclean. And so then those who would spend time with you would therefore be unclean. And being unclean was a huge pain in the butt. And you had to go through all this. I mean, it's just people look down on tanners because of their unclean nature. And we're going to find out that God is working and stretching Peter. And next week, Oh man, this is the great story of Cornelius next week. And we're going to see just how hard it was uh, for Peter to break his sense of pride. But Peter goes with it. Now Peter, who has been like, hey, I'm, the, I'm a good Jew and I've done all these things. Now he's staying with a tanner. It's incredible. Because when God stretches Peter, he goes for it. He will change us when he stretches us and we will never regret it But because we will become more like him as we're placed in positions to do kingdom work. When God stretches you, go with it. You get to be part of this. It's amazing. Um, so uh, in 2005, it was the first time I'd ever traveled internationally. And uh, uh, it, it happened a large result of my brother who um, threw a long set of story uh, enabled us to go overseas to Thailand. And, um, and so it, it was just an awesome thing. I'd never traveled really. I, I've never been off in North America before and with a, maybe a little quick jaunt into Mexico. And, 
maybe Canada. And so like that was my international traveling experience. And so I remember getting on this plane and we went from, I think, from Chicago to uh, Tokyo. And I get off the plane in Tokyo and, and I look around and I'm just telling you, I was so uncomfortable. I look around, all these people, a lot of them, I have no idea whether they speak English. I don't speak a lick of Japanese. I, I can be, the signs, like I'm trying to read the, the signs even and trying to figure out what they mean and it just looks like all these little scratches. And I just, I'm so uncomfortable. And I'm just, tr- I, I, we found our gate. And we had like a four hour layover. I'm like, we are not leaving this gate. We're staying right here because I do not want to miss our next flight. And so I was just so uncomfortable. The more I traveled, though, the more comfortable it became. I mean, it was a stretching experience. But later on, I got to go to India. And then as our, as our church got involved in the Middle East, I had opportunities to go over there. And, and uh, I mean, it's just amazing how much more comfortable it became. Um, our original global missions trip, I'll never forget going on that. I mean, we, we were like in seven countries in 10 days. I mean, it was crazy. We were just traveling all over the place. I feel, I think we counted, what, 28 takeoffs and landings or something like that, Thomas. It was just crazy. We're going through all this thing, and and God was just stretching me, saying, you know what? The gospel, I love people that are sometimes difficult to get to, and I want to stretch you to be part of that. And so we talked about places because we're, God, we believe you're stretching us to do something uncomfortable. And so he's been so faithful. And, you know, now we're involved, like Bob was talking about, our global missions team is saying, we're going to take another trip over to West Africa. And West Africa is not the country you go to for a vacation. I think it's the hottest country in the world. And so, I mean, you don't just go there and, 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 and hang out for fun. You go there because God is stretching us to love the kinds of people he loves. Faith in Action Sunday. We're going to do things that are, for some of you, just putting a note on a door and is, is super uncomfortable. Like, uh, I remember I was doing it at the apartment complex, and I was just putting, just, it was summer kids club notes. I was taping them to the door, and I thought, what if someone comes out and yells at me for taping a note to their door? Even though we had permission to be there. Like, uh, it, I mean, sometimes it's just uncomfortable, and God stretches us. I mean, someone in your neighborhood might come up to you and go one day, hey, you go to church, right? <laughs> I mean, that's uncomfortable. When God puts you in a place that's uncomfortable, just go for it. Um, so uh, recently, Clarissa and I have had an interesting experience. Uh, we, Clarissa, through her work in Young Lives, which is uh, this uh, ministry to teenage moms, um, got connected with someone with a crisis pregnancy center, and they had a, a woman that was uh, considering um, abortion and um, and so she just wanted to visit. So Clarissa had a chance, and Clarissa and I had a chance to visit with this woman and just kind of pour out our love on her and, and try to point her towards life and, and, and just help her see God's plan for her life. And uh, as, we were, as we were talking with her, um, Clarissa said, is there any way that you'd consider adoption? And the woman looked at Clarissa and said, would you adopt this child? And at Clarissa came home and told me that. I'm like, mm. I mean, 
Like, we got six, baby, you know? And I remember Aaron Fish telling me, he looked at me in the face and he said, if you say you're not for abortion, you should be willing to adopt. And I was like, oh man. And I was just thinking about the chaos and how we don't sleep already and what would a, a seventh, and then just, ah! And I just remember saying, God, whatever you want, I'm gonna go with it. And, you know, that story turned out where we're not gonna adopt that child, but just that, God, I mean, it's a stretching, like, God, I will do whatever you put, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Stretching is good. When God stretches you to do kingdom work, will you go with it? That's my challenge to you today. God stretches you, will you go with it? He did it to Peter all through these middle sections of Acts, we're seeing Peter being stretched. And next week in Cornelius, we're going to see Peter stretch way beyond where he's comfortable. But he went with it. Will you go with it? Let's pray as we close. As you just bow your head, I want to encourage you. Maybe God is bringing something to mind right now for you. Maybe he's bringing a particular area that you're uncomfortable with because you know he's stretching you towards kingdom work and you know just maybe it's a neighbor that he's saying you need to have a dialogue with that neighbor and that's way uncomfortable for you uh maybe it's some someone in your in your life and and maybe they're just you just don't like that person and god wants you to connect with them uh maybe it's just doing something bold i don't know what it is but as you sit there with your just allow god to speak to you for a moment Allow him to stretch you. God, we come to you today and we humbly ask that you would make us more like Jesus for our good and your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen.